The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. Avengers Endgame premieres in just two days' time. We're in the pregame now. This is Totally Super. Welcome to Totally Super, where we review or preview every super mo- superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. That was clever, sir. That was clever. Well, thank you. That one made me actually legitimately grin. Sometimes I do a fake laugh, a, a pity laugh for it. But this time, I legitimately liked it. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank now you. has a question mark behind it. I know. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is Totally Super. We review superhero movies. But today, we're going to go kind of freeform. We have kind of a, a a pattern to the show. We talk a little bit about the box office and the stats and whatnot. I, I'm on Wikipedia. Arthur's per, you know got a, a, a whole thing, like, plot-wise prepared for you. And we're going to do something a little different today. Today's just going to be freeform. It's just a conversation. Um, yeah. I'm not sure where it's going to go. I have a few ideas about what we're going to talk about. But we, we're basically going to be talking about... Uh, Avengers uh, Avengers Endgame and what we think it's going to do, what it means to us, what it means to the Marvel Universe and the sim- cinematic world at large, um, what we think might come next afterward, uh, You know, a little bit of the news of what we know, but here's what it's not going to be um, before you turn off the show. We have no knowledge of the movie. Um, there are this is new a no sites. spoiler zone. Yeah, there are new sites out there that are spoiling things now because they've seen the movie and, and spoilers are getting out. I have not read those articles. Uh, there are leaks. I have not read the leaks. I have deliberately stayed spoiler free. So if you are afraid that we are going to give away some piece of knowledge, some spoiler from the film, we are not. However, um, I do have, you know, there is meta knowledge of the film. And as I said to to Arthur before we start um, I'm going to choose an actor that I know nothing about right let's say let, let's say Ben Affleck was in these films and he's been in these films from the beginning and and I have the knowledge that Ben Affleck does not want to do this anymore and he's probably not coming back we are going to mention that so stuff f- so from that you could uh, with that knowledge of Ben Affleck you're saying using your keen powers of deduction you could figure out certain things about the storyline and uh, sure. if that's something you don't want to do if you prefer the three of surprise of discovery uh, instead of the little lift of oh I figured things out then probably not the podcast for you at least yeah. today yeah so like like just want to let you know before it starts um, you know there's some general knowledge that's out there that we are going to discuss that may or may not spoil what the movie is or what it's not now I will say this uh, before you all check out I know for a fact that the Russos who the Russos who made the movie only gave the script to Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and everybody huh. else just got their lines. And my understanding is for Avengers Infinity War, they shot a bunch of death scenes of characters who did not die um, just to <laughs> throw people off the track. There are entire scenes that didn't make it, that not even didn't make it. They just took the time to shoot because they had, you know, they had green screens all set up, right? So they had people come in and shoot scenes that they knew they weren't going to use just because they knew that the casting, you have a crew of 30 people watching this happen just to throw people off the set. So, wow. so they are remarkably secretive. So any piece of meta knowledge that I have is also, and this is worth noting, at least two or three months old. Like I have not gotten any meta knowledge at all in the last two to three months. Um, so absolutely anything could have, may have changed in those two. It is two also worth months. noting that uh, for anybody out there or and for us included, if you are at a point where you still think, oh, hey, I read this one thing on the Internet. It's almost certainly true. Definitely. Um, if that is the place that you are in I, I i don't know what we can do for you that's that you know and i will say this one last thing um and i'm gonna say this up front and then we can let it go if you get spoilers or you see the movie shut your hole please please i can tell you that i am watching game of thrones and i'm not going to say what happens on it but i um we you know we have it on well, the ben affleck definitely dies in it affleck is totally dead in game of thrones um yeah. uh we have it on the hbo uh amazon app so we can kind of watch it whenever and we it, like it came time for us to you know our kids went to bed early and we're like oh let's watch something well, game of thrones in a half hour let's watch an episode of the punisher which we just finished which was amazing um and then we'll start game of thrones at like nine thirty. 
and we'll we'll you know watch it. So we started watching it at at nine thirty, and then at about ten o five. Um, we took a break to let the dog out, and you know, and frankly, I want to go use oh, no, the potty. I see where this is going. I, I want to go use the potty as as and as you do, you must bring the phone with you into the potty. So I brought the phone with me into the potty, and literally at ten o five, tell me you didn't go online. Uh, I just checked Facebook at ten o five. Oh, and dude, pe- oh, listen, people I know, like not not just randoms, but like friends of mine who are generally pretty cool, say like. Spoiler alert for Game of Thrones, they skip one line and then they read it and like like I'm skimming the page and I see what they're writing before the word spoiler alert comes up because I'm just sort of skimming. Um and mm-hmm. I get spoiled for something that literally is going to air it, like aired 20 minutes ago. Like hold it, wow. all right? Hold it, hold anything of any kind till at least the end of the weekend and then if you must discuss it after that, we're going to discuss it after that. Your spoiler warning should be at least as large as anything you're going to write. <laughs> So like, here's an idea that I had uh, yesterday, specifically thinking of Game of Thrones and how people post on it. Uh, and uh, Facebook, if you're out there, you know, just Facebook as a corporation as a whole, if you're out there listening, here's an idea for a feature. And they you're are. You're about to post something. And, yes, <laughs> because let's be honest, they're listening to everything. Uh, if you're about to post something that you think might be a spoiler, you can click a little setting that says this is spoilery and then maybe even choose what thing it's spoiling, you know, and then identify what thing it's spoiling. And then somebody else who's who is skimming, if they have set their settings to I don't want to see spoilers, all they see from your post is, oh, my friend Justin just posted something and all it says is spoiler warning across the entirety of it. Essentially masking the post unless I specifically went and chose to manually click on it and say, I have been duly warned. I want to see the post anyway. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't strike me as something that might be. And here's my I I like to believe in the goodness, the inherent goodness of people. I'd like to think that most people out there, if such a feature existed, that they would actually use. They'd take the extra two seconds to click that little. This is a spoiler. Yeah, sure. Everything that I saw on in the first like three hours after Game of Thrones said um, said, you know, spoiler warning ahead of time. But it was just like they'd write spoiler warning. They skip two lines and then they'd write their thing. So if you're skimming the page, if you're like scrolling up, then mm-hmm. your eyes could catch it. And then I have people going, well, stay off the Internet. Well, I don't want to stay off the Internet. I like the Internet. Like I shouldn't have to the stay off. It's very useful for many things. I shouldn't have to stay off the Internet because you can't not scream out loud. But like, that's the thing. Um, you know, I. Oh, this. Yeah. This ties into actually something about the previous Avengers, uh, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, the nature of spoilers, because I'd like to spend a little bit of time today talking about the phenomenal memes that have come out since then. People got really, really creative memeing Infinity Wars. However, one of the things I saw frequently in the months after Infinity Wars was the, I'm going to share this little image, and if you saw Infinity Wars, then you get it. But if not, don't worry, because you're not going to get anything from it. And you know, like somebody shares uh, a picture of like six different piles of pixie stick dust, each with different colors on it. You know, anything with dust immediately makes us think, oh, well, that's what they're referencing at the end of Infinity. Yeah, by Wars, the way, spoilers like for but before we go into full like spoilers for Avengers Infinity, we will spoil other movies that have come out before this. So if you're like, yes, I'm in the middle of my Avengers binge um, and I haven't caught up yet. Yeah, don't listen to this either because, you know, yeah, movies that have come before. We understand. We will not spoil Game of Thrones. Yeah. But when people post those individual memes, they don't realize that somebody's browsing is going to see other memes, too. And if you start seeing a whole bunch of of memes with dust piling up you're gonna start making some connections anyway yeah i think that like what do you think that what what is what is the window where you yeah i was actually just about that what is the statute of limitations on these i would say that uh, I, I would i would say that the the opening weekend for sure before you say anything um, um, before you say anything, if the, well, okay. So except that we are going to be doing a spoiler filled podcast on, on Friday and again on like Monday, but like in a podcast, it's time related, right? Like we're going to be saying spoiler, 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 like let people know. Um, like I understand the mean the, the, like I understand after infinity, we're wanting to talk about it, like wanting to step out yeah. of the theater and being like, holy crap, I'm, I'm in a weird emotional place now. And I need, you know, I need my online friends to support me. Like I get that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the, uh, well, again, it's, yeah, again, a feature, you know, on some of our social media platforms that allows you to talk with your friends who have seen it immediately uh, without spoiling things. That would be great. I'm, I'm sure the technology is out there somehow. Uh, in terms of just like 
let's say, coffee table or water cooler discussion. I mean, ah, there's part of me that wants to be super safe and say, until the movie is out of theaters, then, or at the very least, like, three weeks at the earliest. Because there's lots of people who want to, might want to see a film, but we know how schedules get. But if you haven't seen the film in the theater while it was there, then it's reasonably safe to assume that it wasn't so important to you that you couldn't stand to be spoiled. That being said, it never hurts to, if you are about to go into a discussion about anything, Game of Thrones or, you know, any uh, any major story like this, just just check. Just ask around, is everybody cool if we talk about this? Again, yeah. it takes all of three seconds. Um, so here's... <sighs> I mean, I guess let's go going into going into news and, and prognostication about the film. Um, one of the things that I'm looking out for. Um, so I have tickets. Uh, I have tickets for opening night, 6:30 p.m. show on opening night. Uh, two tickets, one for me and my eldest son, who is who is rounding 13, which is bizarre for me still. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, my younger son, I've mentioned before, is seven, rounding eight. Um, all of his friends have seen every Marvel movie, the eight-year-old, but I am still a little, I, I still guard a little bit about what he can see and the, the form in which he can see it and who's sitting next to him. We talked about yeah. that on Shazam. Um, I'm in the process right now of showing him episode three and uh, Star Wars episode three, and we are stopping like every like 30 minutes and it's a two and a half hour mil- movie um, because I am stopping and debriefing with him afterward. And so we stopped right mm-hmm. after he killed the younglings, but before the, the final fight of the movie, um, because I mm-hmm. don't know that I want him to process both the killing of the younglings and also what happens at the end of episode three in the same night. At the oh, same that's time. smart. So just doing it in like little doses. Yeah. Um, I waited forever before we saw um, Infinity War and I spoiled it for him. I said, hey, in Infinity War, uh, most of the characters you love are going to turn to ash and they're going to die. And it's very likely that they're all going to, I mean, some of them are absolutely going to come back to life because they have upcoming movies. <laughs> um, so yeah. so don't worry, Spider-Man will be back. That you're, He's going to be okay. But just letting you know what happens. And by, you know, by doing that, I make it so the shock of it happening doesn't happen. And so... Yeah. I have bought tickets for the next day for Mrs. J and for my two kids and myself to go. Um, but the younger one and I may not go to that show uh, in the off chance that the movie is not okay for him to see. Uh, well, how responsible of you. Well done. Well, because I really want him to see it. All his friends are going to see it. He wants to see it really, really very badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made you know other alternate plans in case we have to last minute go, sorry, you can't go. Instead, we're going to go to this little amusement park, this little local amusement park instead. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I really, really want him to go because I paid for the tickets yeah. already. Um, but in, in that case, I mean... That's I forget where I was going with that. I, essentially, the the knowledge of of what's going to happen in the film. Um, I know that there are going to be things that are going to be hard in this film, and I know that this film is going to be have a certain mood. and And I guess that's where I want to start in terms of um of or do you have things that you are concerned about that you're happy about that 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 what what excites you about this upcoming film i'll be honest what's interesting is i'm sort of stepping back and observing myself uh i am not super hyped about this film like i'm certainly not i'm not not excited to see it but when i compare how stoked i was for infinity war versus how stoked i am now uh i feel like to a certain extent uh i i blew my metaphorical passion wad on infinity war uh and it was wonderful and everything about this upcoming film promises to be just as good so i'm sure i'm going to enjoy it but i'm not chomping on the bit i'm not chomping at the bit nearly as much on this one and i think it's it might be because as we were talking about when we reviewed infinity war it was such a surfeit of everything it was such an uber buffet that even years later my palate has not completely refreshed yet i think that's fair i do think that i had less excitement going into ant-man and the wasp and going into captain Marvel than I had going into Marvel movies before that. I felt like I had seen the ultimate Marvel movie. That being said, there's an Empire Strikes Backness to Infinity War where I have to know what happens. Like I, I, yes. like it, it's on such a cliffhanger. I, I must know what happens next. I can't imagine a world like when the other movies I went to go see because I go see all the Marvel movies in the theaters and I always mm-hmm. will. But. I can't imagine a world where I don't go see this and find out what happens. Like other than yeah. other than the rise of Skywalker, I don't have another movie this entire year 
that I'm like, I have to go see that. Like, I will, I'll take it's off It's worth work. noting, Star Wars has a delay of two years between its major movies. And that might be, you know, in terms of nursing passion, that might be the way to do it. Because going to see Star Wars still feels like a mega, mega deal to me. At least the, at least the films in the main saga. And I think having two years instead of just one might have something to do with it. Well, and keeping in mind, we've had two Marvel movies since Infinity War. And we already yeah. have... A, another one coming out this year like we like hey spoiler alert for endgame i guess um spider-man's got another movie coming out (laughs) this year yeah um so like like and they have to start running trailers for it because they want you to know that it's coming um Mm -hmm. i think that's a question are they going to run (laughs) trick because are they going to run trailers for their upcoming superhero films including like say a teaser trailer for Black Panther 2 or something like that before a movie where those characters start out dead I'll tell you what um all right so if we want to go a little bit into into news um there was an article that came out just a couple days ago that said Spider-Man Far From Home is the capstone to phase 3 not the beginning of phase 4 and they wanted to be really clear about huh. that they were like they were like 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 Spider-Man Far From Home is um almost like you know it's its own movie clearly there's action and spidey stuff to it but thematically it's like the epilogue to phase 3 which is the end of you know round 1 of Marvel mm-hmm. um so it's like in so Endgame will be like the big final climax final chapter and Far From Home will be like the coda or the epilogue yeah yeah um I think it's so I for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, there are people out there who are just like, oh, we just like movies. What are these phases? Um, uh, Kevin, Fe- Kevin Feige, who runs Marvel, has said that uh, that the Marvel movies are, are really into three phases. And phase one was meeting the Avengers and phase one culminated in the Avengers. So phase one was just like there was no mm-hmm. phase one when the first Iron Man came out. The Avengers thing was just a cool thing. Yeah. They threw in at the end. The Incredible Hulk came out, you know, a couple months later. And you're like, ooh, let's, there's a little cameo by Robert Downey Jr. But after that, they knew what they were doing. And they said, OK, this is phase one. And they mapped out. Mm-hmm the first three phases of Marvel and no other things mapped out at that point. So phase one culminated in the Avengers and phase two, I don't know if phase two culminated in um, Age of Ultron or Civil War. It might have been Civil War that that it culminated in because phase two was was you know the the Avengers in action and then the dissolution of the Avengers and then phase mm-hmm. phase three, um, I'm not really sure where the break is there. Phase three has really kind of been um, the you know the introduction of, of new Avengers and also like the the going cosmic of of yeah. the Marvel universe. The, the universe has gotten a whole lot bigger in yeah. Phase Three. Um, my understanding was that those three phases formed together as a single story that are about you know essentially the Avengers. And we pointed out when we did Avengers: Infinity War, it's worth noting that Hawkeye isn't even in Avengers: Infinity War. And all the other Avengers, mm-hmm. you know, Captain America has almost nothing to do in that movie. Bucky has as much time yeah. as Captain America in in Avengers: Infinity War, but just by chance, by you know, crazy random happenstance, uh, it it happened to be that the six people who survived Thanos' snap are the six original Avengers. And if you look, proving at- that the narr- proving that the power of the narrative god supersedes even the Infinity Stones. Yeah, Thanos is strong, but Kevin Feige is stronger. Uh, so, so, um, so that is like now this is the last movie about the Avengers and the last Infinity War wasn't even really about the Avengers, but this is, this is the Avengers mm-hmm. plus, plus Ant-Man and Rocket and Nebula and, and, um, and War Machine. But the, the original yeah. Avengers are, are, if you watch the trailers, they're really focusing on, yep, here is Captain America, Thor, the Incredible Hulk, uh, Black Widow, Hawkeye, and um, who am I missing? Who am I missing? Oh, Black Widow. Um, Duh. Duh, Black yeah. Widow. Sorry. Sorry, Black Widow. I'm not a misogynist, I promise. Um, uh, so... So the fact that it's all coming like coming to an end for that story and that we know that there's something coming after the something coming after. I don't know that they've started working that much on. I don't know if there's a movie in production right now. And if it is, it's in the early stages. There's certainly not a movie ready to go right now. The way the far from home is ready to go. Um, And I've thought I wonder. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you please. Uh, Well, I was thinking along what we were just talking about where, you know, I still sort of, you know, I was expressing my feelings 
things where I feel sort of full of superheroes right now, it's possible. It would be a bold choice. But if the studio said, you know what? Why don't we hold off on making a whole bunch of movies for a year or two or a little more? Because right now, it's so clear that everybody has had their fill of superheroes. Or it's not that they've had their fill of superheroes. It's that there's so many out there for them. There's so many films out there for them to watch. And the thing with getting oversaturated is that the consumer doesn't know that they're being oversaturated until it's too late. It's like if I'm having the, if a third plate of fries is put in front of me and they're really good fries, I'm going to be like, sweet, more fries. It's not until after I've eaten that third plate that not only am I done eating fries then, but I'm going to be done eating fries for a long time uh, so, because of because of how f- over full I was. So, but I'm if gonna, you I, had a studio, just to, go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to agree with you generally and disagree with you specifically. Star Wars is a great example of this. The Force Awakens is the number one grossing film of all time in the United States. Like Force Awakens mm-hmm. made all the money. Solo lost a hundred million dollars because of how little m- money it made compared to its production budget. Um, wow, that is an example of franchise fatigue, right there. Mm-hmm. It was you know, Force Awakens came out and everybody loved that, and then Rogue One came out and it, everybody thought it was maybe a better film, but it was of lesser importance. And then The Last Jedi came out and pissed people off. Whether you love it or hate it, it pissed people off. And people got tired of the argument. And then six months later, they, were the, they thought they could do what they did with Marvel. And six months later, now we're going to do a Star Wars heist film. And Solo came out and they're like, we don't care about this, this character who we just saw die, who we've already seen a bunch of adventures with, with an actor we don't know playing him six months after The Last Jedi, which mm-hmm. we're all really sick of discussing. Um, and nobody yeah. nobody came to see it. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how Rise of Skywalker does. It's going to be really interesting yeah. to see what happens in that film because there's certainly excitement around the trailer that I haven't felt in a long time, but it still doesn't feel like it did pre-Last Jedi. I still feel like yeah. there are people who are like, yeah, and I think well, I'll Rogue it, One was not a Rogue One was not a mistake uh, in terms of franchise fatigue because we had not had Star Wars for so long that it was okay to say, here's one movie, then six months later, here's a little movie, and and then, you know, a couple years later, here's another movie like a bam, 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 right off the gate, right out of the gate. That was fine because it had been so long. But Solo was the bridge too far. So that being said, um, that's so I agree with you generally. And I, you know, I can point to Star Trek mm-hmm. as the same thing. Um, you know, certainly if you look at the 90s, what happened to Star Trek, the same thing happened. Um, but specifically when it comes to Marvel, I can guarantee you that they're not going to take a break. I can guarantee you because everybody has uttered the word superhero franchise fatigue. It's worth noting that Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. It made a billion dollars. <laughs> I, I love the way you say that. It made a billion dollars. And then, and then the opening weekend for Endgame outsold uh, the the like first day ticket sales outsold Infinity War by five to one, and they're projecting wow. they're projecting an opening weekend for this movie, a U.S. opening weekend of three hundred million dollars, um, which is. 40 million more than the record-breaking opening weekend of Infinity War, which was $257 million. And they're saying that this one's going to make wow. even more, even though this is clearly not as quote-unquote big a film. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the, this is not the, hey, we're throwing everybody at you, because frankly, there's nobody left to throw. Um, and, and they're not marketing it as such. They're not marketing at it as the, hey, look at all the people here. You know, that's not what they're doing. So I think that Marvel is probably going to keep doing two to three movies a year because it seems like they're doing fine. And people have been saying superhero franchise fatigue for like five years. And they just here's my slight. People are more. Here's my slight. I would say here's my slight counter argument to that, because you're right. Like we certainly are not in franchise fatigue now. Um, It is possible that the super interest in Endgame is, as you said, there's a lot of people out there who cannot imagine a world where they do not see how the story ends. This is a major conclusion of a story. Not seeing this film would be like watching the first seven seasons of Game of Thrones and not watching the final season. However, once the final season of Game of Thrones is done, I'm not immediately going to go out looking for another dark medieval fantasy. Uh, And so because of that, I don't think that Endgame's popularity is necessarily an indicator one way or the other. Spider-Man's... Now, I could... Here's... I could... I could completely be... Yeah, you're right. I think Spider-Man's much more of that. Now, I'm not saying that we're definitely about to hit franchise fatigue. I honestly don't know. Uh, I only feel that possibly one of the 
you know, one of the real hallmarks of wisdom in a producer or somebody running a studio is to be able to, essentially, to be able to know what the viewers are going to want even before the viewers know it. If there is somebody at the studio who is saying, you know what, everybody is saying they love superheroes now, but I know that this thing's going to be coming, so let's prep for that. Uh, and of course, you know, there's no secret algorithm or formula to doing that. Well, I think one of the things that Marvel has gotten right up to this point has been, if you look at everything that happened after Infinity War, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been off the air for a year and they did not have another season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this last year because they're not doing another season. They're doing a half season during the summer that takes place after the events of Endgame. Both Ant-Man and That's the Wasp, both Ant-Man and the Wasp and um, Captain Marvel all took place before the events of Endgame. So mm-hmm. you are now in you are now in a situation where where Endgame is going to happen, and we have not asked the question. I think that, you know, clearly what Phase 4 is going to be, it's going to be Endgame happened. How do we live in the world where Endgame happened? I think that's the, I, well, I think I think that's, that's going to be the way, whatever happens in Endgame, whether it's big for the world or it's, you know, you know, when we get to Spider-Man Far From Home, Spidey's got to, you know, Peter has to exist in the world after the events of Endgame. And it's worth or, saying. Yeah. And hear me out. So what you're saying there is essentially Endgame, there's going to be a major thing that happens. And then it's so, so basically we end up with a changed world, not as much changed as after the end of Infinity War, but still a changed world that everything must then build on. There's another possibility in there. I want to be clear what I'm saying, though. I'm not saying a changed Earth, although that might happen, but a changed personal world for all of our heroes. Yes. So anyway, uh, I, I would agree with that. the The question then is, what if Phase Four? And again, you know, who knows? Uh, I could see Phase Four being almost sort of a reset in terms of, hey, we just followed all of these heroes on their journey, and what a wonderful journey it was. We're going to let their stories be kind of done for now, and we're going to focus on now creating a whole bunch of other heroes for you to start following their journey. And so then the role of the old heroes is going to essentially be to, you know, to come in from time to time, but their main arc is done. And right now we're going to start developing new arcs uh, so that you don't end up with individual hero fatigue either. So, okay. So that's a, that's a really, that's a, that's a really good point to make. So, um, so, okay. A possible spoiler alert for Endgame, but this is again, news articles from two, three months ago about actors who may or may not want to come back to the film. I just want to put that ahead of time, but let's be clear. My understanding about um, about what Robert Downey Jr. was paid to make Infinity War is something like he was paid a hundred or two hundred million dollars. Just him. He cost the he cost more than three Shazams the entire movie. You know. Um, and he has kind of said, you know, I, it, there's got to be a point. And if you feel like Robert Downey Jr. hasn't aged, but if you watch the first Iron Man and you watch what he looks like now over the course of like, he's looking a little less like a superhero and more like a, a distinguished older man. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and that has also been true for Chris Evans. But Chris Evans also said, I'm retiring from acting. You know, I'm kind of done. I'm retiring from acting. And he said that, you know, a while ago. And he's got like four new movies in the pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth said that, but that was before Thor Ragnarok, at which point Chris Hemsworth then came back and said, actually, if we're going to make movies like Thor Ragnarok, then I'm in forever. I'll do this forever. If we if the movies yeah. can be like Thor Ragnarok, he seems to be really into it again. So, yeah. So all of that being said, um, the, the assumption has been that Tony and Cap are going to die in Endgame. I would say to you, um, my my prognostication from mm-hmm. being a writer myself and a fan, I can't imagine a world where there's an Avengers movies that that where they know that kids are coming to see it. With like, hey, Captain America and Iron Man, they both had their own trilogies. Dead. They're lying on the ground in pools of their own <laughs> blood. Bye, kids. Have a great day. Hope you buy the action figures. <laughs> Like, I just can't, I can't imagine a world where they both die. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's it's hard for me to imagine that world. Also, like, at this point, the movies with Robert Downey Jr. in them seem to make $200 million more than all the other movies. Like, like Captain mm-hmm. Marvel made a hundred, made a billion dollars, and I guarantee Infinity War is going to be, or Endgame's going to be like, yeah, that's cute. Like, 
Oh, yeah. billion. Oh, it does. With Robert Downey Jr., it begs the question, and this is nothing against Robert Downey Jr. at all. It's more just sort of an idle curiosity. What does your perspective on life need to be when a studio says, when you're like, oh, I, I just really, I'm so tired of this character. I don't want to do it. And they come to you and they say, we're going to give you $50 million to do it. And you say, oh, no, thanks. Thank you. That's that. That's fine, but I, I think I'm going. They said, "Okay, what if we give you a hundred million dollars?" Because just it it strikes me that the difference between no million dollars and fifty million dollars psychologically has got to be a lot different than the difference between fifty million dollars and a hundred million dollars. Like fifty million. You could maybe spend in your lifetime if you tried super hard. Like, at what point do you reach a, at what point does it just become legitimate, just excess numbers? Well, and here, I'm going to do this real quick. Uh, I'm going to hold this button. Hey, Siri, what is Robert Downey Jr.'s net worth? Let's see what Siri says. Robert Downey Jr.'s net worth was $180 million in 2016. So there's a, there's a gentleman who is worth $180 million. <laughs> um, Wait, Siri can now tell people's net worth. That is awesome and yeah. terrifying. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do you know after this movie it's going to be even more but here's the other thing is that i've seen lots of interviews with robert downey jr where he's talking to chris evans about like about a battle scene or something and he goes like yeah i hear Mm -hmm. it's great um because he was showing up to do the battle scenes and like the first two iron man movies and then he was like nope no what's the helmets what's the helmets down please yeah once you put the helmet down i'm not that involved yeah (laughs) um and so so which is it, actually which is funny it's just like look at this guy get you know again nothing legitimately against him but like look at this guy making a hundred million dollars more than other people doing and he's the one superhero who can actually hide behind a mask and truly let the stunt double do everything um and you compare that to tom holland who's who plays spider-man who actually does who's actually if you, you want to have fun go on youtube and look up uh tom holland uh stunts because he actually does mm-hmm. the flips and stuff <laughs> he's actually a gymnast mm-hmm. so the spider-man stuff you see spider-man do half the time it's actually tom holland doing it um That's robert downey cool. jr robert downey jr literally doesn't like i was looking at um at spider-man homecoming i was figuring this out and keeping in mind what they can do with green screens and how well they can make green screens work if you want to see something really fun watch the uh infinity war bit where um where they leave dr strange's house and they go outside and all this stuff is happening and it's literally they built a sidewalk mm-hmm. and they have like four extras and they're just running down the sidewalk with the green next to them or blue next to them. I think it was a blue screen they were using. And literally the street, all the buildings on the other side of the street, everything in that scene was green screened. Like they could have gone on location wow. and shot it. They just didn't. Why do that? Mm-hmm. They just shot there. So literally I was watching I was watching um, Spider-Man, <coughs> Spider-Man Homecoming and Tony appears. He is in a regular suit talking to talking to Spidey at the very end of the movie, like walking around having just a normal dialogue conversation. He uh, mm-hmm. he at one point is he at one point is talking to him in a phone conversation where he's walking around a party holding a martini. He has a, a mm-hmm. conversation with him standing on the like on the edge of a building, which is clearly like they just shot that. They built a ledge and they went on a green screen. It's conceivable mm-hmm. that and I don't think he appears outside of the Iron Man armor shot of him, like the in the suit, like his face looking around. I don't mm-hmm. think he appears in the movie like physically him. I think you hear his voice, but I don't think he appears in the movie more than those three scenes. I think he shot mm-hmm. everything for Spider-Man Homecoming in a weekend, maybe two. And I think his paycheck was like $15 million. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Um, so there's a part of me that goes, especially for Tony, like it would make sense to, as Robert Downey Jr. to go, you know what? I'm not going to do all these Avengers movies anymore. Maybe I'll show up. But let's, you know, let's have Tony just just be there a little bit for the next, like, let, let's, let's kill Tony in the next Avengers movie. And for the next four years, just have him randomly show up in other superhero movies so if you're robert downey jr like like the like, go hey don't change the script uh keep me in the script and i will appear in the next five marvel movies as iron man for like 10 minutes and you know another 60 yeah. cool another 60 cool for essentially six weekends of work you know change the script and then kill mm-hmm. me in the next avengers movie like wouldn't you do that yeah i mean that's true when you figure it's that little work yeah so i don't know it's the people are assuming that both cap and 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 iron man are going to die i think that Whatever Disney wants, they can they can say, you know, hey, we're going to buy you this. We're going to buy you this island. Chris Evans, I know you don't want to I know you don't want to come out for another one. But if you do two more movies, you own the you own Nevada. 
Nevada's yours. You, no, Chris Evans, who is famously an introvert in real life, they can be like, we, we understand that you want some me time, so here's this island in the Pacific that we'll just give you. Yeah, I know. It's called Hawaii. You can be the only <laughs> person on that, uh, on that body floating in the ocean. Hey, Chris Evans, we bought you South Dakota. It's all yours. <laughs> Please do a few more movies. Um, so... <laughs> Um, also, uh, you know, we mentioned before that that the Russos, um, my understanding is that Tom Holland specifically, because he's let spoilers go in the past, was never given a script for the movie. He like is doing battle scenes and he isn't told who it is that he's fighting. He's like just said, OK, you're that going, is... you're getting this shot. So... And you're doing this and said, say this line. And that's what they're making him do. He's expressed frustration at it. All right. So as a from a directing slash acting perspective, because I understand that uh, for the final season of Game of Thrones, they had some things like this, too. From a production side of things, I completely get the urge not to leak stuff. Doesn't it hamper you as an actor, though, to not know certain key elements? Like, you don't need to necessarily need to know how the whole story goes, that's fine. But to not know who you're fighting against makes it a lot harder to know how you feel about who you're fighting against. Um, it, it, As we've said, like, acting comes down to what is my objective in this scene? What is the thing that I'm trying to get? And if you don't know what it is you're trying to get, then a lot. Of, then how does it not just become I'm going to fake this emotion in this scene? Well, it's, it's important to know that he's wearing a mask a lot of the time. Um, you know, I mean, it's yeah, it's like it's. I don't know. It's you know, I'm I'm fifty fifty on it. Um, and Tom Holland isn't in Endgame as far as I know. Um, but uh, but I do think that they want so like. Do we care when we're watching Infinity War more about Tom Holland's performance? Or more about the audience being surprised about what happens. Yeah, like, and that is a that is absolutely a value judgment you have to make. Yeah, um, you know, and it's you know, but it also it's just it's more press for the film. We're talking about it. You know, it's people talking about the film to say these things. Um, I mm-hmm. think that like the interesting thing too, there was just another trailer was was released for for the movie. The first trailer for Endgame was super dark. Was super just like was super like everything's yeah. bad. I don't know how we live. How do we live with everybody? There was no action. Just a lot of shots of people looking sad. Mm-hmm. Oh no! It was a beautiful trailer. Um, the most recent mm-hmm. trailer has a shot of two characters. I won't say who um, in a spaceship going into space. And looking at each other and having a big, 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 broad grin on their faces, and and mm-hmm. and there are jokes in the trailer, and I think they're trying to say, yeah, the movie's gonna be fun. Is the movie gonna be oh, fun? Yeah. That's a question that I really have. Or are we going to be like, like it's a three-hour movie? Is it gonna be? It's gonna feel like Return of the King, where it's just like, yes, it's epic, but it, a lot of the fun is gone. It's now super important. Or are they going to find a way to make this fun again? Um, I think I think it's going to be the latter because Infinity War was a super important film. Like the threat and the the danger and how high both of the, those things were and the stakes were made so clear at the beginning of that film that, you know, the characters in it were all like there is a lot of moments in that film where you see characters having the opportunity to give in to despair. Like despair is everywhere in Infinity War. Uh, when we were reviewing it, I was talking about it. Infinity War is in many ways uh, a question of how do you cope with knowing that you're going to lose or how do you cope with failure because Thanos was such a big deal. Uh, This is a long way of saying that they found a way to make that movie fun, too. And yes, uh, Endgame is definitely going to have a more tragic element to it, especially the world that we're going to start the movie in. But it's not so much of a difference that I could say, oh, it was easy for them to make Infinity War fun because nothing mattered. So I think I've I've got high hopes for it. So I do, too. Again, I think they're smart enough not to make a movie that's just desperately sad all the time. So did you see Dumbo? I did not. Uh, because I don't want to be sad all the time. So, I mean, it's worth noting that Dumbo came and went. It was supposed to be like the second coming of, of you know, live action Disney stuff. It was supposed to be this giant deal. And it didn't do that well. And a lot of people avoided it because even the good reviews said this movie is just super sad. And where the first Dumbo is also super sad, the first Dumbo is like 68 minutes. Um, and this was a two hour, mm-hmm. you know, super sad movie. And frankly, who wants to take their kids to that? Like, who wants to bring your yeah. kids to a movie that's just super sad? I have to imagine that they're not just going to be like, you know, here's here's a non-spoiler alert. Uh, I have figured out the plot of Endgame, Arthur. And here's the plot. 
Half mm-hmm. the world is gone. Everybody's really <laughs> mad. They go on a quest with only the eight of them left. And one by one, they die horribly until at the very end, they find out that half of them have to die for real to bring everybody back. And everyone comes back. But when they appear, they appear around the corpses of our most beloved characters. They weep credits. <laughs> you know, like, like I have to imagine that that's not what they're going to do. That there's got to be a certain amount of joy because people are, they know that people are bringing their seven year olds to this film. Yeah. And now that also raises another question with specifically because you said Disney knows people are going to be bringing their kids to this. We are now living in a world where Disney owns not only Marvel and LucasArts, but also Fox. Uh, and I was 100% on board with Disney getting Marvel. I was 100% on board with Disney getting LucasArts. And then they kept going, and now I'm starting to wonder, like, what happens if we enter a world where most of the major stories of our collective society are told by one studio? And yes, obviously there's a difference in tone and writers between LucasArts and Marvel, but at the end of the day, one of the things that the Disney brand is known for is is, hey, this movie isn't necessarily just for kids, but we've got kids in mind to a certain degree with just about everything we do. So I will I will count like, I will counter that with this. There was a period of time where Disney also owned um, Miramax and Dimension Films and Touchstone mm-hmm. was out at the same time. It's worth noting that Pulp Fiction was put out by Disney. It's worth noting that the, right. that the okay. Scream franchise was put out by Disney. I think that I have a feeling that the 20th Century Fox uh, imprint is going to remain. Uh, it might become Disney's more adult fare because you, you're pulling over characters like the X-Men and, and Fantastic Four and Marvel characters that belong to that. But the Fox properties are largely adult. Alien mm-hmm. and and Predator and um, you know and things like that. And my understanding, the reason that they bought Fox was specifically because they were releasing Disney Plus, and Fox had this. Fox had this the stake in Hulu, um, and Fox was con- conceivably going to be a, um, a competitor. And Disney wanted to be able to have the Fox TV properties um, for their Disney Plus service, and also to not have Fox competing with them on a, on um, when it came to streaming. Mm-hmm. And I think that that the, the things that I've read is that that was the main reason that they picked up Fox. And had they not been dealing, had they not been doing Disney Plus, they didn't buy Fox so they could have the X Men. Getting the X-Men was a great thing, but they bought Fox specifically because they were looking to streamline what they could offer. Because the Simpsons are going to be on the Disney Plus service and all the Fox TV. It's sort of Fox Kids stuff is going to be there. But I feel like the, the 20th Century Fox filmed entertainment is going to be somewhat different. Um, and it's worth noting that Disney, that 20th Century Fox had 33% uh, stake in Hulu and Disney had 33% stake in Hulu. And so now Disney owns 66% stake in Hulu, which means that Hulu is going to be a place for older fare produced by Disney, i.e., possibly a revival of the Netflix shows, for instance, to go to live so that there's a place for adults. You know, Disney wants to make money. Disney would love to have a Game of Thrones. And if they had a place to make money off a Game of Thrones type of entertainment that didn't carry the Disney brand, I think the 20th Century Fox might allow them that. All of that makes perfect sense. I am still going to maintain my fundamental wariness of any mega corporation having too much of a stake in anything, uh, you know, whether, you know, in any kind of commodity. And I and, and again, this is just me, but it's like I especially because and especially because Disney is also kind of infamous for cha- like when copyright law doesn't agree with Disney, Disney changes the copyright law. Like before Disney came along, it was only 50 years before something enters public domain and stories in the public domain. They're like throwing seeds into a field. Stories in the public domain breed other stories. And I'm a little worried about what happens when you've got one major studio. Yes, of course, it's still producing a whole bunch of different kinds of stories, but it's, I, I don't know, I'm just sort of a little, I, I don't like the thought of one company having all my stories. Um, it's worth noting that one company doesn't. Um, it's worth noting that, that Warner Brothers still has an astounding amount 
of of your stories. Warner Brothers owns DC. Warner Brothers owns Harry Potter. Warner Brothers owns Lord of the Rings. Warner Brothers owns Nightmare on Elm Street. Warner Brothers owns. I mean, there's there's Warner is a is a is a, an enormous force. And then Netflix, uh, you know, uh, and I think that Warner also mm-hmm. owns. That's H- true. I think Warner also owns HBO. If I'm wrong, correct me. But I think they do. Um, so Warner owns Game Game of Thrones, and Netflix is also it's sort of its own entity, and it also has a bunch of great stuff. And Amazon is now you know is you know Amazon's big, bigger than Disney, and Amazon is a content producer. Mm-hmm. So until such time that Amazon gives up on being a content producer, like Disney can't touch Amazon in terms term of size. Disney like you know it's that's just, fair like, enough. It, there's a lot of other people. There's a lot of other heavy hitters still in the. It's in like the it's range. like what we said about it's like what we said about um about Captain Marvel, right? It's it's you know. We go, okay, well, Disney is bigger than Warner Brothers, clearly. But, you know, Amazon looks at Disney and goes, oh, that's cute. Like, like, like yeah. Amazon owns all the infrastructure. Amazon does so much more than you think it does. Um, I found that out a mm-hmm. while ago. Like, Amazon owns, like, pieces of the military. It owns, like, Amazon is is not just a store. Amazon also owns the infrastructure of the internet. Like, it's, it's Amazon is enormous. Yeah. Um, so... Like Amazon could shut down the internet if it wanted to. Yes, and Disney could not. Um, so I, yes. I think that we have a. I think that that I think that Disney owning Marvel makes sense to me. Um, and I think that you know to bring this back around to Avengers Endgame, I think that there is a certain stamp that that Disney places on their PG thirteen entertainment that I know mm-hmm. about what to expect. I know about how far it's going to go. Um, I know what line it's going mm-hmm. to approach. Um, and I think that they've done a darn good job of giving me something that is that engages both me and my 12-year-old and can engage, you know, 60-year-olds as well and 70-year-olds as well. Um they've done a great job at that. And as long as they keep doing a great job, then I'm I'm down, you know, and I think that the smart thing they've done is they've let the studios be relatively autonomous. Um mm-hmm. which I think is Yeah, they learned that from Pixar. Yeah, I think it's it's been a wise choice. Um as we as we wrap up our discussion, uh, I want to say that um, I want to ask you, what has the Marvel Universe, outside of being one of the reasons that this podcast exists, um, what has it meant mm-hmm. for you personally, the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Um, and, and if you give us a sense going into what might be the end of the universe as we know it, and we'll have a larger conversation, I think, next week about what comes next. Um, what up to this point has it meant to you, uh, the existence of the Marvel? The thing that comes to mind, the thing that comes to mind right away is when, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, superheroes and comic books and all of those things, they were a, they were a geek domain that like so many other geek domains was not a source of shame, but not the sort of thing that you just discussed around the water cooler with other coworkers who you had just met, say. Um, there was still a bit of a stigma and I am realizing I'm looking around the world today and like I when I got into theater 15 years ago after a few years I was actually thinking of leaving because there was nobody who was a gamer like me like it's hard to imagine like I think back on it, it made no sense to me at the time but in an industry and a career where your job is essentially to play make-believe nobody played Dungeons and Dragons or any other kind of role-playing game and those were my people people. And now I look around and just about every actor coming out of college has a game that they do, uh, you know, has a campaign going or something like that. And I think Marvel Cinematic Universe had a lot to do with it because once superheroes became cool and popular and mainstream, that sort of opened the floodgates to so many other geek domains that were stigmatized. Uh, Suddenly there was this thought that, oh, no, I was totally into superheroes as a kid. And now those are the major thing. Awesome. And the people who the people who hadn't been into superheroes as a kid but got into them because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe might now be thinking, I wonder what other geek things there are out there that I could get into. I mean, even Star Wars used to have a little bit of a stigma. Like, if you were somebody who actually knew Star Wars trivia 20, 30, 20 or 30 years ago, it, it was not a source of coolness. Uh, and that's changed a little bit. And I think, I think the MCU is one of the driving forces in it. Uh, for me, and I've said this before but I, I it's worth reiterating here um i collected comics i was a big comic collector i still have the boxes of them i was an x-men guy but i would kept pick up other things from time to time the x-men would interface with 
them. And it was a huge part of my life. I would seek out comic stores when I went out of town. I had subscriptions delivered to my door. I, you know, I would spend my money when I was in middle school buying, you know, I would mow lawns to get $30 so I could go to the comic store and buy one back issue so I could have it. Mm -hmm. And I loved comic books and I loved collecting them and I collected them all the way until my early adulthood. And then I got married and and I sold a bunch of my comics in order to pay for my first apartment. And then, you know, and things went to the point where I remember when the Buffy reboot came out, I started collecting again. I started collecting the Buffy reboot, but I I didn't even have time to read them. I would buy them and put them away. And suddenly I had like 20 issues that I was buying that I hadn't read Mm -hmm. that I still haven't read. I just don't have time yeah. to sit down and read a comic. And I, and I feel so behind and out of touch. I don't know how to jump in. And those are my stories. I love them. I now have a comic book collection called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I now... Oh, that's a nice way of looking I at it. I get to read my comics again. And I've got shows and I've got comic book shows. And it feels very much like every week I've got a new superhero thing to watch. And it feels very much like it used to feel when I was collecting comics, which I don't really have time to do. Um, and it's, it's kind of glorious. It's kind of, it's kind of nice that I am getting the sensation that I used to get as a kid now as an adult. And now I'm sharing it with my kids and with my wife and with my friends and with you. And now with you, the listener that, that this is going back to some of the things that were fundamental in making me who I was. So I, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the things that it has created has brought me to a point where I am now at total peace with the younger, the younger version of myself. So, um, Mm -hmm. this is the end game. Oh, that's a nice, I, I really like the, what you just said there at peace with the younger version of yourself. It's, uh, cause it's important. The look, both of us have achieved, uh, a pretty, you know, some strong measure of success in our lives. We've certainly become more confident and happy in who we are than our 11 year old selves ever thought possible. And part of that is because like when superheroes became big, when, when suddenly, like for me, when video games, which I had played all growing up and as a high schooler and a college student kept saying, no, guys, this is the next wave of storytelling is in games right here. When that finally came to pass, it validated so much of my own personal history. Now, instead of looking back on my past and saying, oh, man, that was a rough time. Uh, and I'm not sure if I liked who I was then, but I really like who I am now. Now I can say, I like who I am now. And hey, that kid was pretty darn cool too. And I'm kind of the other way. I want to make sure. I always am thinking about that kid and going, would that kid like who I am today? Would that kid be down with mm-hmm. me? And I'm fairly confident that he would. Fairly confident that younger me would say, mm-hmm. oh, you're you're the kind of adult that I like. Um, And yeah. and I always want to sort of be true to him. I want to be true to, to you, young Justin you spent some, and say- You spent some of your hard-earned money to make a movie called Ninjas vs. Zombies. Of course young you would like you. Yeah, young me would be like, dude, really? I think young me would probably go, okay, sir, you need to grow up just a little. Um, yeah, <laughs> even young you would be like, dude, dude too much. Yeah, too much. Um, I was like, yeah, but I have a podcast called Totally Super. Okay, listen. <laughs> listen, you need to stop. Um, all right, so that is our pre-show for Avengers Endgame. Like I said, it was just a conversation. I bet our post-show is also going to be a little bit rambling in terms of conversation because we're going mm-hmm. to be, just so you guys know, coming up, our plan is to record on, our plan is to record on Wednesday, uh, or rather on Friday afternoon. Um, and get it out uh, by Friday evening by like 730 or so. Um, but we're going to like we're going to be rushing it because we have this window between when Arthur is done seeing it and when my ticket is to see it for the second time. So we are going to be like mm-hmm. getting a, a recording in super fast and furious, which is a totally different thing in movies. Um, we're going to be getting it done very quickly to give you our initial response. And then from there, we're going to give you yeah, our- and our initial response. Our thoughts may only be as well formed as, oh, see awesome explosions pew 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 yay i'm so happy about this I mean, i'm that, so sad about this as okay, much as I put together um and so i i imagine that that will be our next podcast and that the next podcast after that will also be on endgame and then we'll be on to other things so um so mm-hmm. uh thank you for listening uh and as always uh my name is justin and my name is arthur and hey there true believers stay super 
Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not safe for work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment. <laughs>